Hear this um, word from from our God. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The word of the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful story? Uh, I need to change, and uh, I can change. I'm going to explore that a bit. And I want to go back to my, uh, a little safer to go back in time to my college years when I had these jobs that I hated at the time, but I love to look back on. And I worked at Shelton uh, uh, Simpson Lumber Company in Shelton down there. Anybody knows where that is? And um, I picked up a habit that was very common amongst all who worked there. It's called smoking. And uh, uh, here's here's my insight. That uh, the first time I quit, (laughs) it it was really easy. I, and, I, and I kind of was impressed with myself 
uh, and I thought I can do. I might as well pick it up again because I know it's going to be easy to quit. <laughs> and that's the way that that thing works up there. And then you do that a number of times, and you realize how hard it is to uh, to really change. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? It's really hard. But I need to change, and I can't change. So. Um, so, uh, the uh, oh, by the way, I want to say this: that um, I have I have extreme compassion for anybody who struggles with addictions, because of my my own struggle. That's not the only addiction I've ever had, by the way. But um, that's all I'm sharing today. All right. <laughs> that's funny. I still have dreams that it you know those dreams that come back later that I started smoking again. <laughs> oh, gee. All right. <laughs> So there was a poll recently uh, done for 2018 New Year's resolutions, and here it is, that the number one New Year's resolution for 2018 is, I want to be a better person. How's that? Isn't that, that's hopeful. But how's that going to happen without just a whole bunch of resources behind it? And it's hard. And uh, I, a few years ago, was at the gym down here in January. And if you've ever been to a gym in January, it's like the busiest month, right? And so uh, with a little bit of cynicism in my voice, I asked the guy behind the counter who works there, I says, how long does this last? Because I can't even get on the machine. And uh, I, said, I said, I bet it's all over by Valentine's Day. And he says, no, Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, it is hard. It's really hard to change. We're all in this together. And it's really, I'll tell you what's really hard is to be around people who have enough um, willpower to change. And those are the worst. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Well, we'll get into that theme in the weeks ahead. But willpower uh, doesn't do it. And it creates uh, more problems than it solves. Well, uh, will you say those words with me? I need to change. Go ahead. And I can change. And I know that if, we're, if our lives are fairly together, uh, with that first statement uh, may, may not, you may, like, I'm going to try to allow God to work in your heart a little bit this morning and see how that might be true for you. I think most of us, if we take a little scan down there in our hearts, we know that there's things that just aren't right. I'm too something, or I'm not enough something, and there's truth there that we need to hear. But we'll never change if we don't believe those two things. That's, that's the point. I need to change, and I know I can change. I've got to have that confidence to know I can change, but you'll never get to that point if you don't know that you have a need to change. So uh, that's going to be... And then Jesus tells this story that uh, brings out how that change process works a bit. It perfectly fits where we're going. And so I want to go there. And normally at this time I put an outline up on the screen of you know, usually three or two or three points that help you so you know that we're not going to go on forever here, just kind of give you a place. And I'm not going to do that today, because I can change. That's my illustration right there. Yeah. All right. So these two sons, the first son, uh, let's, let's talk about the firstborn son. Those of you who are familiar with birth order tendencies, and that's all they are, there's lots of things that factor into who we are, but there are definitely studies that have been done about uh, the, oldest, the oldest child stuff, oldest child syndrome, and typically they are more responsible, uh, they are, are higher achieving, they are uh, high performers, they're uh, more structured. Uh, they're, they tend to, 
do the right thing drives me nuts. They tend to do the, my older sister, she, yeah, okay, and then, but not always with the right motivation, right? For those of you who are a younger child, you, you know what that, you, you look. So, uh, they, it's, it's a mixed bag, and we all have uh, those, we're in the birth order somewhere. Yeah, uh, the, the older son in this story, if you were to ask him, do you need to change, he would say, me? Moi? Me change? I'm the good son. Didn't you read the story? I'm the good son. I'm the good citizen. Everybody knows I'm the good son. There's no need for change. My younger brother is a total flake, and if you have a church around you, you can put him on your prayer list. <laughs> Just keep me off. And that's how it sort of, really that stuff seeps into our thinking. We'll see in the story that it's really the older son who has the problem as it unfolds. So uh, the younger son, being younger, they tend to be more fun-loving and uh, you know, free-flowing. And so he uh, asks his father for his inheritance, which is not a good thing in that culture to ask for your inheritance before your father dies is a way of saying, I wish you were dead. So it's, it's a slam, and it's very hurtful to the father. But it's interesting how the father gives him what he wants. Uh, God has answered prayers of mine that I wish he hadn't answered. He's given me what I've wanted, and it's led me to a lot of pain, and yet that pain has produced some good things. So it's, it's tricky, this change stuff. So the younger son, he heads off with his money and he has a good time for a season and he parties hard and he has friends. At least he thinks they're friends, but when he runs out of money, they seem to go somewhere else. And he's left alone and he's left alone in basically a pigsty and he's very, very hungry. So what we have now are the conditions. The conditions are ripe in this young man's life for change. Kind of weird. And let's get this up here. I'm going to focus on three change points. But when the pain of exceeding uh, or of staying the same exceeds the pain of change, uh, you have a tipping point that happens. The pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. Change is hard. Change is painful. It's going to require a lot of effort, a lot of inner work, typically. Just dying to self, just stuff you don't want to do. But when that that pain of staying the same rises above that level, then you've got hope. Desperation leads to transformation, is another way to say it. Um, An AA saying is, uh, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're finally ready to change. So I think, and that happens incrementally as uh, in our lives. I think of myself as a husband and uh, the painful points in our marriage where I have had to basically humble myself and step up to becoming a better husband to my wife. Uh, I didn't want to stay the same. I didn't like it. I didn't like that version of me. I need to change, and I can change. So um, we have that going on in this young man's life. Um, We might want to ask ourselves right now, what am I not desperate for that maybe I should be desperate for? Let me try to do a little bit of that. Allow God to 
help you answer that question. What, what is it, Lord, that... I mean, if your goal for me is to make me look more like that perfect person, Jesus Christ, not that I'm ever going to be perfect, but that's just kind of the movement of my life, the general flow of my life is to look more like Jesus. What is, where's the bottleneck in my life right now that's prohibiting me from getting to that place? I'll leave that one uh, for now. So he's in the pigsty. And pigsties are... They come in all different shapes and sizes and colors. I want to, I want to try to make this point with you that um, pigsties can be uh, million-dollar homes where people are cold to each other. That would be a pigsty. Pigsty of unforgiveness, of bitterness. Uh, so we, we tend to think of you know, those people who really need grace, but... We all really need grace. So try to think in terms of... And and there will always be people in your life who will allow you to live in your pigsty. And and they're well-meaning people who don't... But they just don't love you enough to tell you the truth of what you're really doing there. That's hard. To be that kind of a friend that you would tell someone. And you know it's going to hurt... And uh, it's going to be painful, but when the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change, we have hope. Well, as the story goes on, I'm going to get this next point up there. He gets a new vision of himself. Uh, You'll notice he gets out of the pigsty. The pain gets him out of the pigsty, and he starts to walk home. And in the walk home, there's, there's words in there, and there's kind of a sense in there of him having a smile on his face for the first time. A real smile in a long time. Let's see a smile. It's, it's good. And he's got a, a, a little more energy in his walk. And he's going back to his father. And he's got a plan in mind where he is not going to be fully restored as a son, but he's going to work as a hired, a hired hand on the farm, whatever, and prove his value to his father with the hope that maybe someday he could be called the son again. I mean, he's blown all that money, and you know, what, what, can, what can he hope for, basically? So he, he but he, that just sounds good to him, or good enough to him. And he has this new vision of himself. Now, it'll turn out in a minute, we'll see the third point up here, I won't, you know, you have to wait for that, but it turns out that his vision is way too small, but this gets him started. And unless you have a new vision of yourself, uh, there's a good chance you won't change. So you start thinking about, who's that, who's that new me? Um, and don't just think about weight loss here. But who's that new me? Think of the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. More gentle, more patient, more kind, all that stuff. So um, he's uh, on his way back home with a new vision of himself. And I think about, again, back to, to my being a, a husband and a father. Uh, it, it's in having a vision of yourself as a good husband or a good father that allows you to be a good husband and a good father. Not perfect, but good, right? And that if you see yourself as somebody you want your children and your wife to respect, then you kind of do the math and you think, well, I better do things that cause them to respect me 
and it raises the bar on your performance. Having a vision of yourself, a good vision of yourself, and if you have a, a poor vision of yourself, it's, it, it works the opposite way. Oh, I'm just, you know, and whatever. Um, so it's a powerful motivator in behavioral change. But we're not just after behavioral change. While he's practicing his speech on his way back home, going through the words and how he's going to say it, something happens. The father sees him. and get that next. Here we go. The father sees him a long ways off and runs to him. Now, when you see somebody that you've hurt deeply running towards you or at you, you're not sure, right? I mean, if my dad was running at me, and if I had done that, I mean, I'm running the other way. But as, as they get closer and their eyes meet, and they, you can tell by the way somebody's running, kind of the attitude of their body and all that, uh, they end up embracing. Dallas Willard says that God can detect the slightest movement of the human heart towards him, and he responds to it. So you see that that movement of the father going out to grace his son. The words that he says as he wraps his arms around this youngest son are, I am your father, you are my son. I, will, I want to clothe you with new clothes, basically give you a new life, and we're going to have a party. I know you like to party. We're going to have a real party for you. We're going to kill the fatted calf. And that's a, that was a big deal. He graces him. He, uh, this, is, this is where, I mean, the first two things are true for everybody, and, and I, I hope that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's this third one that is hard to grasp unless the Holy Spirit reveals to your heart how it works. Um, God embraces, the perfect embraces the imperfect. The perfect love of God smiling on an imperfect person. And that, nourishes and sustains that change. That, that vision that the son had now gets strengthened by the grace of God. And he realizes that he doesn't have to prove himself. He is. There's a new identity piece here. He is his son. So those are the, the change points that we find in the story. Now let's go to the, uh, the older son. Back to the older son and then we'll, we'll close. So the older son, remember the two things. I need to change and I can change. And he contests both of those points. It seems. The first point, uh, I need to change. The change that is asked of him by the Father in the story is to come into the party, into the celebration where we're going to celebrate this son who was gone and now he's graced with newness and with value. He didn't earn it, he was graced with it. And we invite you, the older son, to come into the party and celebrate that with us. And the older son refuses to come in. That's too painful for him. The pain of saying the same does not exceed the pain of change. He can live with the pain of staying the same. He's going to live with it outside the party. He doesn't need to go to that party. He doesn't need to change. He doesn't have a new vision of himself. And he certainly doesn't need to be graced. He has earned his place in the family. This older son 
needs to repent of his righteousness, which is probably harder than repenting of sin. You see, his pigsty is called self-righteousness. It's a horrible pigsty because you don't know you need to get out. <laughs> and then secondly, do, can I change? He doesn't really answer that question for himself, but I think he answers it for his brother. You kind of get this little cynical voice that says, you know, I don't think my younger brother has really changed. Kind of, you know, he's, he's just going to go back to his old ways. Once we have the party, the party's over, and all of your grace that you've poured on him, he's going to ask for more inheritance, he's going to go do the whole thing again. How can you be taken in by somebody like that? A thief who has stopped stealing is just a thief waiting for the next job. That, you hear that voice, and you've thought that voice, and it's, honestly, there's times, yeah, that's part of having some wisdom in this life. People, let's like get back to the basics here. Change is really hard. Really hard. But, he can change. And in the story, it's, the implication is the son, the younger son has really changed, the older son has not changed. So, questions for us. Do you need to change? Do I need to change? Can I change? Can you change? And the answer to both of those questions from the scriptures is yes, yes, yes. And the resources, these are, at least out of this story, these are three, the, how pain can work for us, taking us to a better place. You get a new vision of yourself and you receive the grace of God that sustains you and nourishes you in that new vision. The Christian movement began, uh, if we, you know, many different suggestions for beginning points, including the season we just went through with, with Christmas. But another one would be that early Easter morning, that first Easter morning, really early, as the sun was coming up, and something happened where a dead body of the best man ever who had been put to death out of love for people the previous Friday, something happened that supercharged that body into life. Not just life now, but life forever. And so that's why we say he's alive. That is change. That is radical change in a moment. Most change is not that radical and not that uh, intense. In term, I mean, it takes a long time. To change, but just so, just to think about this, the Christian story in terms of how change is so pivotal to the whole thing. And so, we, when we celebrate communion, we celebrate that we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the love of God in His death for us, and the power of God in the raising from death to life. So let's, can we, before we have communion, can we just say those words together again? I want to get those in there. I need to change. I need to change. And I can change. Okay? I can change. Let us pray. Lord, as we come to this table this morning, um, the invitation to us, and you see our hearts, you invite us to come with authentic hearts to this table. to say yes to our need for change and yes to the the knowledge that we can change. Um, 
because of you. It's all because of you. And we thank you, Lord, for your grace that meets us this morning in this place. Amen.